Sure. I appreciate your help and your feedback. Um, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. We are continuing on, and we really just have to the end of the year in our series on the miracles and parables of Jesus Christ. Prior to this, if anybody remembers, it seems like ancient history, we were in the book of 1 Samuel, and the book of 1 Samuel was all about looking for the king and looking to see that we need a king. Now, what we're hoping, and just happens to coincide with this wonderful season that we're in, what we're hoping is that we see the king. And that through the miracles and parables of Christ Jesus, that we see what kind of king we have and what it looks like to live in his kingdom and follow the king. And so that's why we're in this series, and that's what we want to see again today. What does it look like to to follow the king and live in his kingdom? So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. We'll be reading verses 15 through 25. This is God's holy, inspired word. Can you believe that? This is God's holy inspired word. He speaks to us through his word. What a privilege that is. So hear God speak to you and I through this parable today. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he, and that's Jesus here, said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir... What you commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you continue to speak to us, that your word is living. God, thank you that your word is living and active. Lord, let us not forget that your word is living and active. Let us not forget that you desire, you intend to speak to us today afresh by your Holy Spirit. But God, we also confess that we're weak. God, some of us just need help staying awake. God, we're tired. Lord, sometimes we We get weary. We have a hard time hearing from you. Lord, would you enliven our minds? Would you open up our ears to hear? Would you open up our eyes to see? Would you lay bare our hearts, the motives and desires and intents of our hearts before you? And God, would you minister your grace to us this morning? Lord, give us the grace of your conviction. But Lord, give us the grace to see your gracious invitation to your banquet in the kingdom of God. And God, I pray that we would long for that. We would long to eat at your table. We would long for your kingdom. 
God, strengthen me as I speak this morning. Holy Spirit, we need you. We ask for you to to fill us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jesus, he wasn't interested in the approval of men. He wasn't interested in in impressing people or or living up to their expectations or fitting into what they expected him to do or their, their ideals of what he should be. And so we really see that in this parable, that Jesus, he's, he's taking them a task. But the, it's set in the context. You see, Jesus, he had just been invited back to one of the leaders' homes after their Saturday service, their equivalent of Sunday. It'd be like going home with a pastor for a meal. You invite him over, you invite all the important people. And that's where Jesus is in the context of this parable. They've invited him back to the house of a rich ruler. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He probably has a lot of money. He's got a lot of influence. There's Pharisees there. There's lawyers there. Um, there's everybody. The who's who of the town is, is there. And Jesus is there. And they've invited Jesus. And he comes in. And in front of Jesus, he sees this man with dropsy. Now, it's not, I'm not going to preach on that passage. But you need to understand the context and what, why Jesus is giving this parable. And so this is man with dropsy. He's got a disease. And, and he's in front of Jesus. And they're inspecting. And they're like, what will Jesus do? And they're watching him closely. They're inspecting him to see what he's going to do. They're, they're waiting for him. They're like, well, is he actually going to heal on the Sabbath? What's he going to do? Is he going to mess up? Is he going to, is he going to conform to what our desires are? Is he going to conform to what we expect? And so Jesus gets frustrated with him. He looks around and, and he, he says, is it, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? He asks these, these Pharisees, these religious people. He says, is it right to, to heal on the Sabbath? And none of them answer him. Because they're more concerned with what everybody else around them thinks. You ever, you ever get caught up in that trap of being more concerned with what everybody else around you thinks? It's, it's not a new problem. These people were more concerned with what everybody thought about them than with answering Jesus' question. So it's silent. And so Jesus, I can imagine a little frustrated, he heals the man and he sends him away. Now, when he heals the man instantly, wouldn't you have thought that they would have said, oh my goodness, Oh my goodness, Jesus, tell us. Tell us God's word. Teach us. We want to follow you. Obviously, you've been sent by God to lead us into God's kingdom. What do we do? But they don't. They don't do that. They're unimpressed with Jesus. And so, Jesus asks them another question. He's looking around the room and he sees how they're all sitting in these places of honor. Everybody's kind of jostling to get in the places of honor. Everybody's jockeying for position. Everybody's wanting to be noticed. Everybody's wanting to sit in the best places in the feast. And so Jesus is watching this, and instead of them offering him the best seat, wouldn't you think they would have done that, by the way? He just healed a guy on the spot. I think I'd be like, hey, take my seat, by the way. I think you should sit at the head of the table, but they don't do that. And so Jesus is grieved, not because he's personally offended, but because they fail to recognize him as king, and they're going to fail to enter God's kingdom if they don't watch out. And so Jesus is watching because they're proud. They're going to fail to enter into God's kingdom. So he's looking around them, and he goes, he says, when you, when you come into a feast like this, he says, don't be looking for the best seat. Don't be trying to get in the best seat. He says, you know, because you know what? You might sit in the best seat, and somebody comes along who's better than you, and he's referencing himself And you're going to be replaced. He says, so humble yourself so that God will one day exalt you. And he's giving them a kingdom principle here to humble ourselves before Christ, before him. 
so that then we'll be exalted. He is concerned with getting them in the kingdom of God and seeing him as, as the king to usher them into the kingdom, but they still don't get it. And so he turns to the master of the feast. If you look back in earlier in chapter 14, he turns to the guy who's holding the feast, and he says, you know, nobody's getting off scot-free, by the way. Whenever Jesus comes to a dinner party, nobody gets off, you know? Nobody, nobody goes away unscathed. And so he, go, he turns to the master of the feast, and he says, by the way, it's not just all these people who are jockeying for the best positions. You see who you've invited here? You've invited everybody important and impressive, but you've not invited anybody who couldn't do something for you. You're living to be repaid on this earth, is what he's telling the guy. You're living, not generously, you're pretending to be generous, but you're living so that, so that you give to these people so they can give to you, and that's not generosity at all. You're living for accolades, you're living to be impressive, you're living to, to get. You're not living for the kingdom. And then when the room gets really silent, can you imagine being at this dinner party, by the way, where Jesus heals a guy, he asks, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? Nobody answers. And you're like, ooh, a little awkward. You ever been in an awkward dinner party? I've had some really awkward holidays before where I have sinned against someone else at the holiday. We had a big theological discussion one year where we, I got angry at my brother-in-law, and we were getting angry, and like, it just kind of ruined the whole dinner. Everybody was quiet afterwards, and so somebody's like, oh, uh, did, you, did you catch the Cowboys? I mean, you know, trying to make some kind of awkward comment to, to like distract and, okay, let's change the subject now. Could you imagine being there with Jesus when he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Nobody answers him. They're all too concerned with what they look like in front of other people. They're living for themselves, their reputation. We're tempted to do that too. And then he says, you know, you're living to be honored. You're living, you're proud. You're not humbling yourself before God. And then he tells the host, the guy who invited him here, he says, you, by the way, you're not really generous. You're living for yourself. You're living to get. You're living for this quid pro quo lifestyle. Um, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And that's what they're living for. Could you imagine how quiet the room must have gotten? Imagine Jesus coming to your home and everybody in your home summarily gets corrected and including you you might be a little quiet and everything's quiet so all of a sudden in this context if you look down your bibles in in um in verse 14 or verse 15 sorry somebody in the room pipes up tries to redirect the conversation you know hey hey aren't the cowboys playing today and um they try to redirect the conversation. They try to say something that, you know, think, oh, well, everybody's going to agree with this comment, right? Every, and certainly Jesus is going to agree with this comment, everybody in the room. So they make this statement. Look down your Bibles, verse 15. It says, when those who reclined the table heard these things, they said to him, blessed is everybody who will eat of the bread in the kingdom of God. That's a benign statement, right? It's kind of those, one of those bridging statements. Uh, we're all really uncomfortable here. Oh, Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. But Jesus sees right through their hypocrisy. He sees that they don't really mean that. Because if they mean that, they wouldn't be living for themselves. They wouldn't be living for reputation. They wouldn't be living to get things in the kingdom. So that's an important context to see for this parable. You know, everybody would agree with this statement. Of course, everybody's going to want to be eating in the kingdom of God, but Jesus sees that, that if that was the case, then they wouldn't be acting like this with King Jesus there. Jesus loves them too much to, to let them just be concerned with social niceties. Do you know Jesus loves you and I too much to let us be consumed with living for our own kingdom 
He loves us too much to let us be consumed with, with living for what other people think about us and fear us, fearing people. He, he loves us too much to let us live for our own gratification. He loves us too much to let us stay in our pride. He loves us too much to let us live to get. And so Jesus gave them this parable, and he gives us the same parable for the same reasons. The stakes are too high to let them pretend they're part of God's kingdom. And that's what they're doing. They're pretending they're part of God's kingdom. And, and the fruits they're demonstrating are proving that they're not and that they don't really want to live for the kingdom. And that's meant to challenge us. What, what are the fruits that we are bearing? What are we demonstrating in our lives? Whose kingdom are we living for? Whose kingdom are we desiring to eat of? The stakes are too high and they're acting like they want to be in God's kingdom but their hearts are far from desiring God. And he wants to see that they're going to miss living in the kingdom if they allow all these other pursuits, their own desires to rule them, instead of really pursuing and desiring to follow God's servant, God's king. And so what's, what's really the first idea here? What's the first major idea that we see here is that earthly desires can keep you from entering into the kingdom of God and can, can keep you from, from tasting of the banquet that God has for us. Maybe you're here today and you claim to be a Christian but are you eating, are you tasting of the goodness of God? If not, could be that earthly desires are keeping you from eating of the good of God's kingdom, from tasting of the good, of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe here you profess to be a Christian, but you're really just pretending you're fitting in like all these people at the banquet. You're fitting in. You're trying to fit in. You're trying to conform. And you're, acting, and, and you're acting like you're godly, but you're just playing church. Jesus is speaking to you this morning as well. Earthly desires can keep you from entering into the banquet of God's kingdom. And you know those earthly desires can keep us from enjoying the kingdom, the, the banquet that he lays out before us, the good of the gospel, the gospel of his grace, the goodness of forgiveness, the goodness of redemption, the goodness of the life he gives, the joy in the Holy Spirit. If you're not enjoying those things, if you're not experiencing the banquet and you're not feasting on Christ, it could be that earthly desires are keeping you. And so this parable really is for all of us. He said, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And he's talking about this massive feast. And it's important to know that in that day, you know, they didn't have email, obviously. I, I mean, I explain this to my kids. No email, no phones, you know, no TV. They didn't have any kind of broadcast system. What they would do is they would send out invitations out into the town. And so they would invite people. And they would, they would go back again a second time, and then they would say, okay, now who's coming? They would find out who's coming, the invitation would go out, and they would respond. And they'd say, okay, who's coming? And then they would actually begin to prepare the feast. So that's what's happening here. The people he's invited have already responded and said they're coming. It'd be like when you, let's say that you don't have very much money, and your, your daughter's getting married and you decide, you know what, I just want to really bless my friends, my family, the people around me. I want to bless them. I want to, I want to have a really wonderful dinner, but it's going to be costly. So I've got to make sure that I don't, I don't make too much, but that I make enough. And so you, you send out an invitation. You get RSVPs back. And you, you count on those mostly. That people who say they're going to be there really will be there. Well, in that day, it was actually more important because there was more at stake financially, but there was also more of a social obligation, and, and people in that day, if they said, yes, I'm going to come to your banquet, I'm going to come to your 
feast and they didn't come, it was actually a personal offense. Now, sometimes we can get offended when people don't come over when they say they're going to. We can, we can experience a little bit of that, right? You ever, ever had, you ever invited somebody over and you prepare a big meal and you're ready and you're excited and they provide some lame excuse? You ever had that happen? I, well, I, I'm not going to say who, but I've had that happen. And um, nobody here, of course. But, um, and you can like see right through that excuse. You know, it's like, um, oh, I can't even think of a lame excuse. You know, no, I told my son I'd go and fly a kite with him. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to think of some lame excuse. You're like, really? And that's so important, so pressing right now. You got to go fly that kite. We, we can experience a little bit of the offense there, a little bit of what it might, might have been like. But when an invitation went out on that day, it was a serious thing. And it was, it was actually seen as a social contract of sorts. And so they would have already said they're coming. And they would have spent a lot of time and money. There wasn't any refrigeration, so they wouldn't have been able to keep food. So they would have bought food in the exact right amount of food. They would have bought the food. They would have been preparing it and set up everything ready. And so now this invitation goes out and says, now is the time. I told you about this great feast, this banquet that was going to occur, and you had advance notice, and you were invited in, and you said you were going to be a part of it, and now is the time. And by the way, coming right on the heels of this man, whoever this was, saying, in the dinner party, blessed is everyone who will eat of the kingdom of God. They, they made that connection that Jesus isn't just talking about a, me, a meal. Jesus is talking about the invitation to come into the kingdom of God. The, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone out. The good news went out to the prophets saying that one day a Messiah will come. One day, one day God's kingdom will come to the earth and he will invite you to come in and he will invite you to respond and be a part of that kingdom. And, and the people of Israel said, yes, we want to be a part of that kingdom. And they would have gotten that they're the ones being talked to, that Jesus is saying, now the invitation went out, now is the time. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. Now is the time. Everything is ready. And so look in verse 17. It says, The time of that banquet, he sent his servant to say to those invited, Come, for everything is now ready. And isn't that great news? That God's kingdom is ready. It's here. We don't have to long for or wait for the kingdom. We can actually enter into the kingdom of God here and now, although it won't be fully fulfilled until the final day. We actually can be a part of God's kingdom here and now. We don't have to live for another kingdom. We can can be a part of his kingdom. We We can respond to his invitation now. Well, the Lord of the banquet, he sent the servant out. He spent a lot of time preparing the field, enjoying the, the feast. And so when the time was just right on the appointed day, he sends out and he lets everybody know, right now, come, because everything's ready. And then look in verse 18. If you look down your Bibles, it says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. What a a great insult, what a great injustice that they would not see the gracious invitation of the master of the feast. They all begin to make excuses. And just about now in the parable, everybody else at the wedding, at the the dinner party that Jesus is at in the Sunday afternoon is probably feeling a little more uncomfortable. And that's okay because Jesus loves them too much to let them be comfortable with where they're at. And you know what? Jesus loves you and I way too much to let us be comfortable with where you're at. If you're comfortable in your Christianity, something may be wrong. I don't mean content. Contentment's good. But if you're comfortable, if you're just sitting back, 
taking it easy, with a laissez-faire attitude in your Christianity, kind of living day in and day out, but not pursuing God, not enjoying God, not living for God, then something's probably wrong, and you need to be shaken up. You know, I even, I even like this election season for one reason. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a sucker for punishment. I like the election season for one reason. It reminds us that, you know what, oh my goodness, this kingdom is really not the one we should be living for. And we can make all kinds of excuses and get sidetracked by all kinds of things. And then Jesus gives three kinds of excuses. He gives three types of excuses that people gave to the servant. And, and I think those types of excuses can apply to us today as well. He gives kind of three different classes of excuses. The first excuse is a guy who's going to buy a field. And I think we can, we can make the connection there to living for home and land. Those are good things. But then he gives another excuse. Another man gives an excuse about he needs to buy five yoke of oxen, ten oxen, a very uh, costly business expense. And so people can live for their jobs or for their work. And he kind of gives that category as well. And then he gives another category, people living for their family. A good thing. Now, all these are good things. Home and business and family are all good desires. But Jesus is telling this parable because all of those desires are keeping the people who he's at the feast with from seeing that the king is there and entering into the kingdom. They're being satisfied with all of these lesser desires and they're not feasting. They're not seeing. They have a banquet before them. What are you being satisfied with today? What excuses, what desires are keeping you from entering into the banquet of God's kingdom? I think it's a question for all of us. You know, the first excuse has to do with the purchase of a field it's likely used for agriculture, but, but think about that for a moment. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. He, he bought a house, you know. Moving is a big deal. When I, when I bought a house, you know, I might have skipped that Sunday. That's okay. That's not what he's talking about. It's not talking about missing a Sunday. He's talking about missing the kingdom. He's talking about missing a banquet, missing feasting at the goodness of God. And so it's kind of a ridiculous example, if you think about it, but Jesus is the king of illustrations. He gives us the most ridiculous example because that's what we do. Um, this guy is like, you know, he already responded, said he's coming to the feast, and, and then as if he didn't know he was buying a field, when he accepted the invitation, this socially binding kind of contract they entered into, he, he didn't know he was buying a field. I mean, what, what good Middle Easterner, but beyond that, what good person goes and buys a field without looking at it? Especially in that day, it was an agrarian society. They lived off the produce of the land. They had to make sure a field was fertile or, or good for planting crops in or good for having their family plot. And, you know, they made sure it wasn't full of rocks or which wasn't all clay or it wasn't swampland. You know, they, they, nobody in their right mind would have bought a field without looking at it. It's not like today where we speculate with real estate and you can kind of have an idea. You can look at Google Earth and you can map down, you know, you can see a satellite view. That wasn't this. Obviously, he, says he already bought the field. He obviously seen it and he makes this lame excuse. He says, I, I bought a field. I, I got to go out and see it. Please have me excused. And it has this appearance of being polite, this appearance of legitimacy of living for kind of this, his home and his lands and living for this earth. And we can do the same thing. We can say, you know, I've been, I've been really busy. You know, I, I haven't spent time with God. I haven't been pursuing God because, you know, it's just life's so full and I've got my home and, and I've got, you know, I've got obligations there and I've got things to do. And we can get so sidetracked with, with living for this home and we act like this is our home instead of seeing that, no, we're, we're putting this desire for an earthly home way above the banquet that he invites us to. 
into his eternal kingdom. You know, the field wasn't going anywhere, but the person was choosing really just to do what they want. That's what they were doing, ultimately. You know, nice excuse, nice try, buddy, but really it was just doing what he wanted. When it all came down to it, it's just, they just didn't want to come. They just didn't want to come. It was an excuse. And then the second excuse isn't any better. Look in verse 19. Another guy says, I bought five yoke of oxen. Now, this guy must have been really rich because in that day, one ox would have been very expensive. A, a yoke of oxen, two ox would have been very expensive. But five yoke, ten oxen, only the very wealthy could have done that. And no wealthy man gets wealthy by just indiscriminately buying business ventures. Indiscriminately investing in business they haven't inspected, and it's ridiculous. I mean, who in the right mind would have bought five yoke of oxen, ten oxen without going look at them? They could have been lame. They could have had an injury. They could have been malnourished. They could have been too weak. They could have been feeble and old and ready to die. You know, no wealthy man like that would make a large purchase on a whim without looking at them. But they were living. And making excuses why their business was keeping them from coming into the kingdom, from enjoying the banquet. And you know what? We can do that today too. I'm just, my work is so busy and my life is too busy. I don't have time for the things of God. I don't have time to make time to go to church or to make time to have fellowship with people. I don't have time to enjoy the fruits and benefits of God's kingdom to sup at the banquet. I don't have time to spend time with the Lord because I'm just too busy and my business is so busy right now. It's so important and my home is so busy right now and it's so important. And then you realize, no, you just don't really want to. That's what Jesus is telling those people. That kind of hurts kind of stings I think it's meant to I think it's meant to wake us up to not be comfortable to say wait a minute you know if I keep living saying you know what this is a busy season well that's a fallacy my whole life I can't remember you know I look back when I was single I thought I was really busy then oh my goodness and then I got married and I thought oh my goodness I'm so busy I'm just everything's overwhelming and you know what and the good thing is actually God gave me capacity in each season of life, and it was really busy for me because I didn't have the same capacities, and God grew my capacities over time. And so um, we shouldn't never look down on somebody who's single or shine on somebody who's married or doesn't have kids, those things. That's not better, but, but there's never a season in your life where you won't be busy. Don't fool yourself. There's never a season in life where you won't have an excuse not to come to God, not to enjoy eating his banquet. There never will be a time where you can't have some good excuse that's a good thing, home and a job and a place to live, and all those pursuits. There's never a time in your life where you won't have a good excuse, but there's never an excuse for not coming to the kingdom. That's not meant to be condemnation. That's actually meant so that you enjoy the banquet, okay? Conviction is always meant so that we would actually turn and enjoy and taste and see the goodness of God. Taste and see the goodness of God. What things in your life are more important than tasting of the goodness of God, eating of the good of the gospel, receiving his grace, communing with God, um, entering into his kingdom? Let me ask you, what things in this world, what home, what endeavor, what business is, is worth more than living for his kingdom? The answer is none. There's nothing worth more. But we forget that. And we can act like these people and think that our home and our land and our job is just so much more significant than responding to the king. This man was self-seeking as well, and he didn't really want to come. He just made this polite excuse, and he says, please have me excused. And then look at verse 20. 
Another man said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. He, he doesn't even ask forgiveness. He doesn't say, please have me excused. But what's this guy doing? Well, he, he's, he's using family as an excuse. But he's also doing something else. He's, he's putting a religious guise. He's using religion as an excuse not to come to God. That's what the Pharisees and the lawyers, the people in that day were doing at that, at that dinner as well. They were using religion to not respond to God. When Jesus asked them, is it right to heal on the Sabbath, they were using religion to not answer him and not answer the king and come into his kingdom. Religion was keeping them hardened against God, keeping them from responding to God. Now, I don't mean that the religion, true religion, and responding to Jesus Christ and giving our life to him, but I'm talking about man-centered false religion that sets ourselves up as the adjudicator of God, really, and other people. And so they use this excuse. Now, in the law of Moses, there was permission, and actually, um, they were encouraged. It says, when you, when you get married, in the law of Moses, it says in Deuteronomy, when you get married the first year, hey, you don't have to go out and fight in battles, you don't have to go out to war, and you don't have um, obligations to society. Not, not, not talking about things like banquets, but you don't have to go and do jury duty. Um, you don't have to, you know, do whatever's required of you, civic, your civic duties. You, you got suspended for a year. Boy, I would love that, by the way. Wouldn't that be great? No civic duties for a year, so you can just enjoy your wife and then enjoy being in the community and fellowship and getting to know each other. That'd be really cool. But anyway, that's, that's not what that scripture was not saying. Um, when you get married, you should be totally exclude yourself from all other people, only focus on your wife, and then don't do anything else socially with anybody else. That's, that's ridiculous. That's not what that command was saying. And yet this guy is justifying putting family above Christ with the Bible. You ever, you ever do that, by the way? You ever put family above Christ? You ever put family above his kingdom? Family's very important. Home's very important. Business is very important. Those are all good endeavors that God's given to us that we should enjoy and pursue. But we should never put them above Christ and his kingdom. And we should never use seemingly biblical language to say, well, you know, I just, I can't serve because, um, you know, I've got these things in my family. Well, well, sure, sometimes that's legitimate. It's legitimate sometimes to make sure your priorities are in order. But other times it's legitimate to say, you know what, the kingdom of God is so important, I'm going to bring my family together, we're going to serve. I'm, together we're going to be responding to God. It's so important that, you know what, um, you know, yes, it's been a really rough week, but you know what, I, I want to come and experience God's presence, and I'm going to come in church because it's been a rough week. Now, don't feel condemned, I'm not, I'm not pointing anybody else out in specific, but sometimes we can use such lame excuses for justifying not coming to God, not enjoying his goodness, not responding in the good and living in the good of his kingdom. And so this guy says, I've married a wife and I can't come. He doesn't even try to ask for an excuse. He just makes this religious excuse and he, all these, all these men, all three of them have something in common. They all make really lame excuses. But, but don't we do that too, really? You know, do, do we really have a time in our life when home and business and family legitimately for a sustained period of time. I'm going to talk of one day or one week or that's ridiculous. Don't be condemned. But when they keep us from actually experiencing and living in the good of the gospel, when they keep us from responding to God, keep us from coming to him, whether that's keeping us from coming to him ultimately um, and, and not becoming a Christian or playing a Christian or pretending to be a Christian like these Pharisees were doing, or whether that keeps us from feasting 
don't you see that the banquet is so good? That's why he calls it a banquet. It's full of delectables, full of good things to eat. Do you see that God has laid out a table before us of things that are wonderful to eat? We can, we can eat of his grace. We can eat of his goodness. We can, we can come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden from what? From working too much, from carrying the burdens of this world, and find rest. We can come into his, boldly into his presence to find mercy and grace. Don't you need to feast on mercy and grace and goodness? Don't you need the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to keep your hearts and minds? Don't you want to feast on the the gracious love of the Father, the love of Jesus Christ that, that we heard about this morning? Don't let anything keep you from coming and enjoying his love. Don't think that you're too guilty. Don't think he couldn't love you. Eat of the bread of the kingdom and don't make excuses. All these excuses, they offended the man whose invitation they claimed to accept. You know, we can become so busy with our own pursuits and desires, we can miss the kingdom of God. Don't miss that. Don't, don't fail to eat. Don't, don't fail to come to the banquet of, that God's prepared for you. You can fail to see how blessed it is to eat bread in the kingdom. And you can just give lip service like that guy at the beginning gave lip service. Blessed is all those who will eat in the kingdom of heaven. Do you believe that? If so, then are you eating? What are you eating? You know, our actions and our time, they betray that we sometimes don't really think we'll be blessed to eat the bread of the kingdom and drink the wine that he gives. And what kind of desires are you putting before God? What's robbing you from seeing how great the banquet of his kingdom is and how good his invitation is and from responding to that? Don't let anything keep you home or family or work or whatever. Don't let anything keep you. That's what Jesus, that's why Jesus is being so direct. You know, Jesus, he wasn't direct with people like this. He didn't smack people upside the head because he was mean, because he wanted them to come and eat. He wanted them to feast. He wanted them to enjoy. He wanted them to enter into his kingdom and live for something that will never pass away. If I've offended you this morning, I apologize if it was me that offended you. If God's word is offending you, if God's word is provoking you, then I'm glad because I hope it will provoke you to come and enjoy. Come and enjoy the goodness of God. Come and eat of his goodness. Come and eat of his grace. Come and enter into his kingdom and live for the kingdom that will never go away. And then secondly, we see that this invitation to the banquet of God's kingdom, it's made available to everybody. Those men, they made excuses. And what does the master do? The master sends his servant out. And in verse 21, look down your Bible. It says, the master of the servant came back to his master. He reports all the excuses that he received. Understandably, the master of the house becomes angry. We'll get to that later. They're all doing their own thing. So what does the master do? Look in, in verse 21, and he says, let's see here. The master of the house came angry, said to servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor. This is the master's heart. This is God's heart, is what Jesus is saying. Bring in the poor. Bring in the crippled. Bring in the, 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 la- the blind and the lame. And then look down in verse 23. What else does he say? He says, the master's servant, when there still was room, he says, go out to the highways and the hedges. The servant here is told, go and gather the poor, the crippled, the blind. Why? Because the master's heart, he wants 
all who were invited to come. And here's the, here's the good news. He doesn't just invite the wealthy. He doesn't just invite some. He doesn't just invite good Jews. And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, by the way, you're not alone. It's not just you who God's invited. God is actually inviting all people now through me. He's inviting the poor. He's inviting the lame, the blind, the crippled. And, and he's inviting all of us. Are you feeling poor this morning? Poor spiritually, poor physically? The master says, come, come to my banquet. Are you feeling lame? I feel lame a lot of days. A lot of days I'm a lame example as a dad. I'm a lame example as a father. I'm a lame example as a Christian. And I I need to remember that, wait a minute, I come to the feast, but not on the basis of my lameness. I come on the basis of the invitation that's available to everyone. This this invitation, are are you lame? Are you poor? Are you blind? Sometimes you just feel like you're clueless and you're blind. You can't see. You don't know where to go. God says, come. You feel crippled. You feel impaired. God says, come. This invitation, this gospel invitation, the good news of God's grace that Jesus came to usher his people in to God's kingdom that he came to offer his grace freely to all who would trust in him. That invitation is available to everyone here. And that invitation is not just to be received once, but it's to be enjoyed and we're to come continuously to the banquet and we're to, to, we're to find ourselves sitting at the banquet table here in this life. In the life to come, it'll be perfect, but here and now we can enjoy the goodness of God. And the invitation is extended to you to come and enjoy the banquet. The invitation is extended to you to come and live in the good of the kingdom now. Live as if that kingdom is your home and don't live as if this kingdom is your home and this invitation, it goes out to all. And then the highways and the hedges, what's that meant to represent? It's meant to represent that the gospel is going out to the furthest reaches of the world. And that's good news because that's come to us in America. You see, wait a minute, we're, we're actually not the origination of the gospel. America is, is not the gospel, The good news is not a good news that came from a bunch of white North Americans. The good news came from a Middle Easterner with dark skin and has come to us. God's graciously given an invitation and we are the gracious recipients. And he gives this invitation to everyone freely. And then notice something else down in the Bible. How does God get that word out? How does God get that word out? Who does he send you can say it out loud. We can have a little interaction this morning. It's okay. Who, who's got sent out? A servant, right? I heard a servant. Us, that's good. That's right. Both those things are right. The servant, God calls his servant to go and call people out into the kingdom. God's servant goes out and calls people into the kingdom. And Jesus is, is showing that he sends his servant out. Now, ultimately, he was talking about himself to begin with. But you know what? In the Great Commission... Jesus says, I came as God's servant to proclaim the good news to the poor, to the crippled, to the blind, to the lame. I came as God's servant to proclaim the good news. Now, in Matthew 28, he says, now you go out into all the world. You be my servants. You call people to come in. This servant was sent to go out into the streets to bring the needy people of the city because the ones who had it all together wouldn't come. He was sent to the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, those who couldn't provide for themselves, the lowly, the unable, the helpless, And what was he to do? He was to bring them back or lead them to the master. God calls his servant, Jesus, to go to those people. And Jesus showed us the way by doing exactly that. Jesus didn't go to people who didn't need a physician. He went to those in need of a physician. And then what does he tell us? He tells us the same thing. 
Maybe you're in God's kingdom and you're enjoying the banquet. Jesus says, you know what? You need to go out. You need to go out and get people who are poor and needy and blind and lame and crippled. And I want you to bring them in. Now bringing them in, it implies something. It implies effort. You see, crippled people can't walk. How is a servant going to bring a crippled person in? He would probably have to carry him or have a cart or some other kind of conveyance to bring him in. It would have been hard work. It would have been effort. You know what else he does? He'd go out in the lanes and the city streets. He would have had to look for them. Are you looking? Maybe you're in God's kingdom. Maybe you're a servant of the king, and that's wonderful. If you're a servant of the king, are you going out? Are you looking in the lanes, in the streets of your neighborhood for people who are poor and needy and blind and crippled? And then not are you just looking, but are you telling them about the invitation? Are you giving them the invitation too? And then are you bringing them in? Are you actually making the effort to bring them in? Because you know what? Sometimes it's hard work. It requires effort. But remember, this servant's inviting them to a feast. And he's giving them great news. By the way, all you who are poor, all you who don't have anything to eat, you can come in and eat. What servant wouldn't have joy in doing that and saying, you know what, my master's got this wonderful banquet table and you can all come and eat of it. And by the way, you're homeless, come on in. You don't have anything to eat, come on in. You're poor, come on eat. Isn't that, you ever, you ever have joy by, by serving people or giving to people who are less fortunate, don't have something, you know there's a joy experience there. I think that, that lesser joy that we get when we give to people and, and they experience the gift from us, it gives us joy, it's because that's ultimately meant to point us to the great joy that we have in giving the ultimate gift of God's goodness, of inviting them to the banquet and into the kingdom. This is not just a duty, this is a joy, a delight that the servant gets to go out and do this. Although it's hard work, he's probably going to sweat. It takes some effort, he's got to go looking. This passage, prior to this passage, when I was down at the, the pastor's conference, I was thinking through, you know, personally, boy, um, it, as a pastor, it can get quite difficult to be around unbelievers. And I thought, you know what? I've gotten a little lax. And I need, I need to be around more unbelievers so that I can give them an invitation to come to experience God. And, and I need to make sure that I'm, that I'm, I'm doing my job to, to go and be a minister of the gospel. But you know what else? I think all of us are meant to go and do that job. See, my job as a pastor is to equip the saints. That's all of you for the work of ministry. I'm to go out too, but you know what? All of us are to go out like the servant and invite, not out of duty, but can you imagine the delight the servant had of saying, hey, by the way, you're poor, needy, crippled, blind, lame. You never would have thought you could go and eat in the king's house. Pat, come on in. Isn't that cool? We get to go do that. As a church, though, I think we need to grow in seeking people who are both physically and spiritually poor and crippled and blind and lame. Ask yourself, God, where do I need to grow? How can I grow? Am I seeking people? Am I giving an invitation out? And, and am, I, am I inviting people to come into your kingdom? Am I proclaiming the gospel? Not out of guilt, but because we, we have a banquet. And why would we keep it to ourselves? We get to invite people to feast. Do you see that? You know, it's not easy, it's time consuming. And then he doesn't just tell them that. He says, go on the highways and the hedges. Make a lot of effort. Go wherever you can find them. When you, when, you've, when you reach your whole neighborhood, great. Continue to go. I don't think any of us have reached our whole neighborhood yet, by the way. You know, maybe, maybe all of us can start small. Maybe we can just start by inviting people to church. 
Not, not to condemn, but I wanted to ask you just a question for you to answer in your own head. Okay, when was the last time I just invited an unbeliever to church? That's a, that's a low bar, right? That's a really low bar. You know, most unbelievers say, they did a, they did a poll in the last five years and they, of, of unbelievers, people who do not know Jesus, who did not know anything about the gospel, and people who used to be church, they did a poll of them. And it's like 75% of people said, you know, if somebody invited me to church, I would come just to see what it was about. Now, there's some people who are really hardened and wouldn't do that, but you know what? You start small. Lower the bar for yourself. That's okay. We'll start small. Invite somebody to church. Invite somebody to a barbecue at your house with your care group. Or go and, and join a, a team, soccer or whatever you like to do, volleyball. Invite people. Go and seek. Go and carry out the mission of making disciples. And they go out to the highways and the byways. But listen to the language there. He says the servant was to do what? He was to go and kind of do what? Okay, a little more interaction here. I know we're not used to this. So. The servants are going, compel. Perfect. Compel. That's pretty strong language. He was going to invite them, and he was going to bring them in. And, and then you know what else he's going to do? He's going to go out everywhere else and compel them. What does, that, what does that mean? Now, it doesn't mean what, unfortunately, Augustine and people like that in the past had meant we should force people to become Christians. Well, that's just contrary to the gospel message. You can't force anybody to become a Christian. But that, that word compel, it's an English word, by the way, but it has a connotation, really, of, of convincing, of entreating continually, of trying to proclaim and say, you know what, hey, I get all of your, I get all of your arguments against the gospel, but let me, understand, let me share with you why that's not good enough. Let me compel you. Let me entreat you. Let me convince you of the goodness of God. Let me plead with you. That's what a servant's to do. So are you pleading? Are you inviting? Are you convincing? Are you making every effort to get people into God's kingdom. That's what it means by it says compel. Are we making every effort to try to convince people of the goodness of God's invitation and his banquet? Are we telling them of how God's been good to us and of the good food that we're eating and saying, here, you need this food too. How God's forgiven me, how God's given me his grace, how God's changed my life because he's given me hope and, and he's given me peace with him and I can be content in the midst of this crummy season that we're living in. I'm tasting of his banquet. That's why I'm okay right now. Yeah, you know, I don't care who becomes president in one sense because we have a king and I'm content. And let me tell you why that's the case. It's the duty of the servant. It's our duty as servants too. But you know, sometimes we act like we don't want people like that in the kingdom. We can act like we don't want blind and lame and poor and crippled because it's messy. It takes effort. It's hard. And we can get content, and we can be like the guy who said, blessed is to, for all those who eat in the kingdom of God. But we don't really believe that, because if we really believed it was blessed for everybody to eat in the kingdom of God, we would want to be a blessing to everybody so they could eat in the kingdom of God. The people of Israel said they wanted to eat at the banquet of God's table, but they really didn't want to And they knew who the master of the feast was. They knew about the master. They heard about the banquet. They heard about God's gracious invitation. They knew that they could only come if they were invited. They knew it was a great privilege to be invited. They pretended to be interested. They pledged they'd be there. But they're only interested in tending to their own interests, putting up a pretense, playing church, tending their own notoriety, their reputation, their family, their business, their religious devotion, all of that instead of responding to the master of the banquet. And here's the, here's the dire warning that Jesus has in these verses. He says, look back up in, was it verse 21? 
The master of the house became angry. And then look in verse 24. He says, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. You don't want the master angry. You don't want to not enter into his kingdom. You don't want to not enjoy his banquet. Now, ultimately, this talking about not trusting in Jesus and entering into the kingdom, but I think in a lesser way has application as well for us as believers, has application in both ways, that following earthly desires, it will keep us from eating of God's kingdom in eternity. Following earthly desires will keep us from eating of God's kingdom in eternity. Maybe you're playing around this morning and you're pretending to be a Christian. Don't do that. Don't pretend. Don't follow earthly desires instead and just live a nice, you know, South Carolina Christian life. Don't live a God-emptied Christian life. Following earthly desires keep us from eating of God's kingdom in eternity. And if you're a believer, don't let it keep you. Don't let earthly desires, the cares of this world, distract you from enjoying the banquet. Following earthly desires keeps us from eating God's kingdom here and in eternity, both. All the people of Israel had to do to be saved was to accept his invitation. That's what he's saying. But they won't. They refuse to accept his invitation. They're making excuses. Don't refuse the invitation, the grace invitation of God. Don't, don't refuse his invitation this morning. There's not a second chance, is what he's saying, for those who are invited to make excuses and never come. What's the master of the banquet? He says, says, none of them will ever taste of my banquet. That's horrifying bad news. But you don't have to be there. That's why Jesus is telling this parable. That's why he's being so socially unacceptable. Don't worry about what people think about you because they need to hear the good news Don't presume upon God's invitation. If you've heard of an invitation, if you know of God and his kingdom, if you say you believe his invitation is true, you say you've accepted it, really come. Really respond in your heart. If you're trying to fit in, but you haven't responded to God from your heart, if you haven't truly placed your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, don't wait. You've been invited. Come to the banquet of God's grace. Come receive the gift of forgiveness. Come experience a relationship with God the King. Come and sit at his table. Come and Enjoy the goodness of God. Revel in it. Eat the fruits of his kingdom. Taste his banquet. Don't assume you'll be able to come tomorrow. You'll incur God's wrath, and there will be a time when it'll be too late. That's what Jesus is saying. But he's he's also saying, I think, something else to, to everyone else here. It's that enjoy. We have a banquet we've been invited to. Come and enjoy it. Don't let those... Earthly desires keep you from enjoyment of the banquet. Don't let living for your home or your business or your family or all those good pursuits, don't let them distract you from enjoying God, from eating and tasting of his goodness. And if you have filled your life up with activity, if you filled your life up with all these good pursuits and you don't have time to enjoy God and you're not leading your family to enjoy God, you're not encouraging others to enjoy God, then I think God is saying to you, don't make excuses, come and eat. It's good food. He's also saying your efforts won't get you there. Don't feel unworthy. If you're lame and poor and blind and crippled, good, you're invited, come. 
no matter where your background is, no matter where you come from, no matter what you, you feel like you can't come, no matter what reason you have in your heart, or you feel like, you know what, I responded to God, but now I haven't been living for God, I've been sinning, and I, and I haven't been doing what I, should, I know to do, and I haven't been living a right way, or you know what, um, I've got sucked back into living for this world, and, I, and I've gotten deceived by living for entertainment, or deceived by living for sexual gratification, or deceived by living for uh, drugs, or, or whatever it might be, or drinking, whatever that, that, those things, those earthly pursuits, he says, come and don't let those earthly desires keep you from the kingdom. Come and enjoy the banquet. If you're poor and lame, blind, crippled, come. Don't make excuses. Set aside distractions. Don't let anything come ahead of him. You know, I think ultimately this scripture applies to all of us because he wants us to tear down any idols that we have is what this passage is about. Prizing anything else above the king and his kingdom. And then if you're a Christian and you're a servant and you're enjoying the kingdom, then I am excited. Excited. Keep eating. Keep, keep at the banquet. But you're a servant. Remember you're a servant. And he sends you out. Call all the people to enjoy the king with you. Call all the people to come to the banquet. Don't make excuses. Don't let your family and your business and your life and everything else and keep you from being a servant and going out and inviting people either. Because you've got a great feast. Tell them who your master is. Tell them the errand he sent them on. Invite them to come know of God and taste of his goodness. Invite them to church. Invite them into his kingdom. Let's, let's all sit and think. You know, maybe this week in, in your small groups, sit and, 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 and share where you're convicted, but then share, hey, and here's how God's calling me to respond. Here's the things that have been distracting me this week. And by the way, come to small group. That's how you can enjoy of some of the good benefits. That's one of the means of God's grace he provides. I'm not saying that legalistically, but you can enjoy of the means of grace. If you're not in a small group, join one. Be a part of one. And then get together and say, hey, here's how God spoke to me this morning, uh, on Sunday morning. He, he, he convicted me that I've been putting other desires ahead of him. Or you know what? I've been, I've been pretending I'm a Christian and I'm not really. Or you know what? I'm enjoying God, but I realize that I've, I've made excuses for why I'm not going out and being a servant who goes out and brings people in. I think it's going to apply to all of us in one of those three ways, right? Not to condemn, but to, to remember it's all about the banquet. I love banquets, man. If you've got a good banquet you have, by the way, invite me. I, I, if, if the date's open, I'll come. I love food. God created us to love food. God created us to love enjoying banqueting and feasting and, and festivals and joyous times. Why? Because they're meant to point us to, that's the kind of enjoyment he has for us. Remember, it's all about the banquet. It's not condemnation. It's all about the banquet and inviting people to enjoy God. Let's brainstorm or strategize how we might convince and persuade and entreat people, compel them to come into the kingdom. And we're done with that. Let's, let's give towards the church and planting and missions so that people can go into highways and byways because we can't do it alone. We don't have the, the capability of going on the highways and byways. We want to be a, a church that plants churches. And in order to do that, we, we need funds and we need people. And so give and, and start to pursue God so we can send people out. You know, I'd love to send people out, not to all the cool places that, you know, all the cities that everybody wants to go to, but some of the cities that nobody wants to go to, like Pickens or wherever. I don't know. Sorry, I, I don't mean to offend people from Pickens, but so I, I like the beauty of Pickens. It's just, it just doesn't have a lot of appeal otherwise. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm getting myself in trouble. I need to stop. Um, so there's other cities that may not be as appealing to you. I want to see churches planted in all those little towns and cities in South Carolina. 
But we know what we need. We need to say, you know what? We're going to see people on the byways and highways. We need people to give. We need people to be part of the church, to serve here, to, to pursue God. Maybe God has one of you that he would send out. Or maybe has God somebody else that you invite in in a year or two. And we say, oh my goodness, this person needs to go. Jesus was more concerned with people hearing him and responding to him, humbling themselves and coming to this kingdom than he was with everybody being comfortable with the status quo. Let's not be comfortable in a bad way with where we are. Just be polite neighbors, be socially acceptable. Instead, and I don't mean be impolite, by the way. <laughs> I don't mean to be rude to your neighbors, but don't worry about offending your neighbors by telling them and giving them an invitation. Don't worry about telling them the truth as long as you do it out of love, not to beat people up. Jesus was loving these people and he was giving them a hard word. Because if we believe that everybody will be blessed, that's what Jesus was confronting. That guy. That guy. Blessed is everyone who eats in the kingdom of God. He's saying, really? Do you believe that? Well, let me tell you a story. Because he wants us to taste of his bread for real. And to drink deeply from his well of never-ending water of life. He wants us to revel in the joy and enjoy the feast and the provision of the gospel of Jesus Christ because his food's amazing, his banquet is gracious. Let's feast on him and be filled. Amen? Well, let's, let's Joe, if you'll come up and um, we'll sing a song together, but in the meanwhile, we will pray. God, thank you for the reminder that you have a banquet for us. And that we've all been invited. No one's left out. And that we can all come and enjoy the goodness of your gospel. We can all come and enjoy the the good fruits that the Spirit provides. We can all come and eat of your goodness and taste of your kingdom here and now. And that God, that's just a foretaste of what's coming. That we can enjoy the kingdom now and look forward to the kingdom because because we can respond to your gracious invitation, Lord. Thank you for your invitation, Lord. Will we come to you And God, I pray that you enable all of us to set aside all excuses to enter into the joy of the kingdom and and ask others to come with us. Lord, we ask these things because you are a good and gracious God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And by the way, before we start singing,